This is the evening sermon from Hillcrest Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. Pastor Gary W. Custis is preaching. For more information on Hillcrest Bible Church, please visit our website at hillcrestbible.org. Matthew chapter 15. You say, well, I think we looked at this passage in Sunday school. I say, and you did. And uh, uh, Rick addressed the subject of worship. It's interesting you can look at a passage of the Bible and address it in a number of ways. And I'd like to address this in terms of the speaking and the hearing of people. There are different ways of speaking, and likewise there are different ways of hearing. And perhaps you've had a conversation with someone where you said one thing and the person listening to you heard something else. Or perhaps you were on the hearing side and you heard someone say something that the person speaking didn't, never recalled ever saying to you. And we look at this, this is, communication sometimes can be very confusing. And it can be complicated. When Jesus Christ, when the Son of God came to earth, part of his mission was included this communication with man. And sometimes Jesus Christ hid the truth, he concealed truth when he spoke in parables. And sometimes he spoke unexpected truth that startled the listeners. And sometimes he spoke openly and directly to the point, and people had uh, great clarity in, the, in knowing what exactly he was saying. But in every instance, he always spoke the truth. And always he spoke as God, in the way he spoke, and in the content of his speech. He was and is the Word of God speaking the Word of God. And he always pursued the will of God in speaking, teaching, and preaching to others. So I know that Jesus Christ was pursuing his divine agenda when he came and he spoke to individuals. And he had the the special insight of being able to see into the hearts of the people. So he spoke like no one ever spoke, and he spoke with great precision. But hearing the word is another thing. And the Pharisees, they heard what Jesus had to say, and they rejected his word, and they rejected him. The disciples heard Jesus speak, and they received his word. Well, except Judas. Judas also heard everything that the other disciples heard, but he didn't receive any of what Jesus Christ had to say, and he betrayed him. The people heard different things. Some rejected and some received. They heard in different ways. But the Bible is our access to the truth. And God has seen fit. You know, sometimes the students at school ask me, why didn't God wait until video and cameras and and, uh, there could be a a very precise record of everything that Jesus Christ said and and that he did because it would all be on film and we could all go back and look at that. Why didn't he wait? And the answer to that question, of course, is I don't know. But then the other answer to that is because the Word of God is very precise. Very precise. And it's written in languages that are precise. And so God wanted us to have his truth presented in the church in a written format. And we still, though, have the responsibility to be hearers of the Word of God. And there are many people who pick up this Bible and read it, and they come away and say things 
that I say are, are not in here. So somehow they're looking at this and, and, and hearing something, I think, that's not written in the text of Scripture at all. They read and they say, well, that, we don't believe that, or we believe this, and we believe this, and do this, and take this, and suddenly, I don't know what they're talking about, but they can use Scripture almost to teach anything. And we have to be discerners and careful hearers of the Word. Well, this morning we talked about the Lord speaking in figurative speech and how He's going to speak with great clarity for there to be understanding. But it's interesting to watch Jesus Christ speak to different groups. And this is one of the passages that I've chosen because you see Jesus Christ speaking to different groups and you see how He spoke to them differently. And uh, it's very interesting. You see three groups in this passage. You see the Pharisees, and then you see the multitude, and then you see the disciples. And notice, I'm going to read the whole passage. I want to look at verses, uh, Matthew 15, verses down 1 through 20. But I want you to see the different groups and the different way that he spoke to them. So let's look at the text of Scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple. Is, releasing, is released from honoring his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. That's the heart of the passage that Rick was reading this morning, looking at this, this statement from Isaiah. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is from, far from with me. In vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines, as doctrines, the commandments of men. Verse 10, Then he called the multitude and said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes in the mouth defiles a man, But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him, came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, they and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, 
thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to be to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now this passage begins with a question. Actually, it begins with an authoritative challenge. When it says, the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem, that means you're, you're talking with the authoritative ones. You're talking with the ones who have uh, the power and authority in the nation. So this is the official delegation of the Pharisees and scribes that come from Jerusalem. And they challenge him. And I believe they think that they have him sort of on the ropes. Because um, they observed his disciples, and they observed that his disciples ate with unwashed hands. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They understand it's tradition. But the tradition of the elders was derived from uh, the law of God. You have the commandments and the written commandments of God in the Old Testament. And so someone will come and say, well, how do you go about doing that? You know, for example, um, in the law, one of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, is to keep the Sabbath. So the question is, well, how do we keep the Sabbath? So what the rabbis did is they said, well, at the same time this command was given, they were building the tabernacle. And so they looked at the things that were done as work in building the tabernacle, and they made up a list of a, a number of things that since you wouldn't be doing the work on building the tabernacle, those kinds of things would be how you personally would not do those things in your, in your life. So they said, this is to be a day of rest, so you're not going to be working on the tabernacle, and therefore you're not going to be doing these things. And they made a list of things. Very helpful to have all this list of things. Very applicational. Very non-authoritative. I mean, they're just looking, and they're trying to figure out how you are to do... You're to rest on, on the Sabbath. On the seventh day, you are to rest. And the, and the point of that was God was teaching them grace because he was teaching them how God does all the work. And they must receive from him. And he's the one who works. If they're going to be set free from Egypt, he's the one who works. If they are going to be saved by Jesus Christ upon the cross, he is the one who works. If we're going to be acceptable in his sight. So it's teaching the God who works, and we are the ones who do nothing but receive the working of God, receive His work. So I don't think God intended for this taking the tabernacle and coming up with a list of 100 things or 50 things that you cannot do on the Sabbath day because they wouldn't be doing it when they did this. But the rabbis had a tradition, and they said, now this tradition has a way of becoming law. And that, that's the way people start thinking. So we have to be careful that our traditions don't become law, but that becomes law. So if you do this, you are keeping the Sabbath. When in really the Lord says, you're not to have a fire and you're not to... Uh, work. 
And if your animal falls into a ditch, you can pull them out. But I, just, you're not to do labor. You're not to be working on the Sabbath. That was the point. But I simply say, it's very easy to take the law and have a well-meaning idea and have a series of commandments of how to go about keeping that, but that becomes tradition. And they recognized it as their tradition, but they also recognized it as being authoritative. The Lord said, you are a people. You are, Israel was to be a people separate, separate from the Gentiles. You are to be a nation set apart. And they were to be an example by being a holy nation, a set-apart people. And therefore, they said, you are not to intermingle with the Gentiles. And so one of the traditions they had is, well, maybe you've touched a Gentile or touched something that a Gentile has touched. So if you do that and then you eat with unwashed hands, then you've taken the defilement of that Gentile and you've eaten it and you have become defiled. So if you're going to be very careful about being a proper Jew from the Old Testament, then you need to learn that whenever you eat and whenever you touch anything that you're going to eat, you need to wash off the Gentiles. Make sure that all of that is washed off so that you're not eating any of that. You say, well, that's, if you're going to be a people set apart, you're not to be set apart, set apart from the Gentiles. And uh, certainly if you traveled through Samaria, you'd want to you know, not touch anything and you walk in very carefully. Um, you could probably make a bunch of rules about that as well. But clearly, you, you were not to be defiled with that. And, and so they say, you know, they're, they're really claiming all the tradition of the rabbis when they say to him, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread? You're walking around with a band of defiled individuals. Why would you do that? Well, that's a great question. And, but it's interesting, if you look at this passage, and I'll say this again when we come to the end, Jesus doesn't answer the question until you get to the end. I mean, it's to the disciples that he answers the question, but it's the Pharisees who ask it. Because what he, what he does with them is, is what we hate when people do to us when we're talking about something, and we say to someone, well, why did you do that? And they say, well, you do this. Like, oh no, but this is the Lord doing that. But he says, why do you defile the commandment, not the tradition? He says, why do you, if you're going to come here and pick on the disciples who supposedly have defiled what the rabbis have said is what is involved in keeping the commandment, this is the tradition. But what you do is you take the commandment and you, def- you throw it out the window. And he gives the example of how that can be. Why do you tra- transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. Now again, wait till we get to the end because he has a great answer for their question. But he doesn't give it to them because their problem was another thing. And Jesus Christ speaks to them and to their heart issue. That's what's always important to see. People come and ask Jesus Christ a question, but he answers what is the true problem with them, not what their question is. And it's important to see that in the text of Scripture. Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded you, commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple. That person is released from honoring his father and mother. Therefore, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. It's very simple this. The, the, the children were to take care of the parents. 
And uh, that's sort of the rightful form of the people of God in the Old Testament. And their social security was in their children. So the parents would take care of the children, and then the children would take care of the parents. And so it was a, a wonderful thing for the parents to provide for their children and provide for them in life. And at a certain point in time, the caring turned in the other direction. And the care was for the parents. And so they were cared for from the beginning to the end of a family. There was continual care because the emphasis is upon the family. Well, the Pharisees defined a way where you could say to your parents when it came time to help and provide for them, you know, everything I've got, I've really given to the Lord. It is an offering that I've made from the Lord. And really to take what I've given to the Lord and give it to you, it would be robbing God. I can't do that. And I would like to help you in this time of need for you. But I really can't rob God. Now they were not so much interested about not robbing God as they were about having all their resources for themselves and not carrying out the plan that God had with reference to families providing for one another. And this uh, honor your father and mother, one of the reasons why I look at that and I say that and the Sabbath are both on the Godward side, is as you learn how to honor the authority of your father and your mother, you learn how to honor as you leave your home and you stand under the authority of God. You've had this earthly father who is not perfect, and you've learned to be under this heavenly father who is perfect, but you've learned what it is to be under authority and be respectful of authority. And and therefore, that commandment is not put on the manward side, where I think it should be, or kind of always wanted to go over there, but it's on the side which speaks of the commandments that pertain to God. I think it's significant that it's there, but it it, it teaches, ultimately, submission to your heavenly Father, the God who is in heaven. Well, here they take all that and and they really destroy it by by the way in which they they throw out the honoring of your, your father and your mother. So he calls them hypocrites. This was shocking. Um, The Pharisees, from a religious, political standpoint, are the good guys. You know, the Sadducees are a little different. If you went to Jerusalem and you said, show me where the Sadducees are, you'd go find them in the temple because they were engaged in taking care of the temple. I think they were much further. They only held to the first five books of the Bible and everything else they set aside. But theirs were the authority of the first five books, and they didn't believe in a number of things, and among them being the resurrection, as you know. But the Pharisees were individuals who grew up, and they're traceable to the 400 silent years before the coming of Christ. And they're the, the individuals who said, We need to keep the law of God. That's what Ezra said when he came back. He came back in the land and he said, you need to keep the law of God. The reason why you got in trouble is because you did not keep the law of God. And you need to keep the law of God. And the Pharisees was a group of people that were associated with the synagogue. And if you went to the synagogue in Jerusalem, that's where you'd find the Pharisees. And they were teaching the word and teaching the law. And they were earnest about, let us keep the law. 
But the keeping of the law then translated into doing what you need to do in order to save yourself. And the doing of the works of the law is for us to be in right standing with God. And therefore, by the time Jesus Christ came and He says, I'm the Messiah to come to save you, uh, the Pharisees have a system all worked out. They don't need a Messiah. They don't need a Savior. One of the reasons why they didn't need Jesus is because they're, they're, they're working hard to save themselves by doing all these works of the law. And they took the law and they used it in a way it was never to be used. And so Jesus Christ rebukes them. And these are the guys who are, are the good guys and the, and the disciples. You can see later on, Peter is a little bit startled. He said, did you know that you offended them? Yeah, you, you caused them to stumble. Did you know that? And these are the individuals who are the religious conservatives, keep the law, very precise in the things that they want people to do. But here he calls them a bunch of hypocrites. And then further he said, when Isaiah was talking to the people of his day, he was talking to people that are exactly what you are. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is not inclined to me. People draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and so their worship is vain. And worship is receiving from God in such a way that your heart is changed so that you give back to God what you've received from Him in praise and worship and thankfulness and glory be to God. And when God gave the law, He gave the law to His people so that they would see themselves as the sinners that they were, but they would see God as the holy God that He is, and their hearts, by God's grace, would be changed, and they would give glory to God and thankfulness to God for all that He is. But He says, the people draw near to Me and they say the right things. They talk the right way. That's why the disciples were stunned. These Pharisees, they say the right things. We need to keep the law of God. We need to worship God. And you need to be careful how you worship God. You need to be precise in how you worship God. They're saying all the right things. But their worship comes out of their mouth. And from their lips. But not from a changed heart. And therefore, their worship of me and the idea of how they present themselves and the washing of their hands, the washing of the hands, if you're washing the hands because you believe the world is defiled or whatever, that's supposed to be an act of worship. You're a really, the obedience to the law is an act of worship because what you're doing is you're taking what God has given to you and you're receiving that, like honor your father and mother, so the way you honor your father and mother is the way that you're worshiping God, because you take from Him and your heart is changed, and therefore you worship God in the things you do, and you worship God in the things you say. So it it should be that the, the heart, out of the heart comes the worship that we give to God. So here he says... This is hypocrisy. These are a group of hypocrites because their religion is 
mouth religion and lip religion, but not heart religion. And therefore, they're not worshiping God in their behavior. They're not honoring God. They're not giving thanks to God. And it's sort of interesting. You say, well, Lord, what are they doing? And he says, they're just keeping a series of rules to the glory of themselves. But I'm sure the, you know, the Pharisees were greatly offended at this. I mean, they look at themselves as being the ones who are in right relationship with God by the things that they're doing. And in fact, they have, they have, they're saving themselves by the things that they're doing. And they're doing a whole lot more than what these disciples are doing. And they look at Jesus and his disciples and they say, you, you are not, you've not got it right. You're offended by him. But we don't see any, any response in this passage. And that's sort of the end of that. You learn more about that from, from them, from Peter, in a moment. But at this point, uh, they are just uh, simply turned away. They go away. So then it says, then he called the multitude. So what is it that he says to the multitude? And the answer is this. Then he called the multitude and said to them, hear and understand. I want you to hear something. I want your heart to be changed by this. I want you to hear and understand. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Now, it's interesting when you speak of defilement. Defilement is different from the condition of the heart. Man is a sinner. Man is a fallen man, has a sin nature he received, we all received, from Adam. So we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by birth because of that. We're also sinners by choice. Everything about us is, is sinful. So he says, here's the, the condition of man. He's sinful. But defilement is individual in particular. Defilement is what comes out of you. And I always say that that uh, the practice of every sin is not something that you do. I don't know that we have any serial murderers here tonight. Maybe we do. I don't think so. No serial murderers. And we may list a lot of the other commandments that no one has uh, committed and and done, and you may say that. Um, But we've all defiled ourselves in our own individual ways because our heart is sinful. And because it's what comes out of our lives, not just out of our mouth, but out of our behavior. Because this, these are behavior things that he's going to address here in a, in a moment. But it's, defilement is what comes out of us. Sinfulness is what is in us. The, the, the spiritual death is what is in us as non-Christians. We are spiritually lost, blind, and dead. We are corrupt in every part of our being. That's, that's the inner nature. That's what we are by nature, sinful before God. But what defiles us is the conduct that comes out of us, is the words that come out of our mouths. And defilement is a heart issue. It's not that when you take something and a Gentile has touched that, I consider myself to be a Gentile because that's what I am, but I, I never thought that if, if I touched this and then I handed it to a Jew and he touched this, that he would be defiled because I touched this and now he touches this. That's not how defilement works. It's not touching what a Gentile, or worse yet, that he would actually touch my hand or shake my hand. 
that's not where you get defiled. Defiled is because of the nature that expresses itself. And that's where you defile yourself by the things that you say. You defile yourselves by the things that you do. That's what he points out in this passage. Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles of man. Now, there's no response of the multitude here. I, I don't know what the multitude thought about this. You know, it's like, it's like uh, he calls the multitude together, and, and uh, I don't know what else he said other than this. Maybe, But here he comes, the multitude. The whole multitude stands up before him, and then he stands up and he says, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Thank you very much. And... I don't know if he said more than that or if that's what he said, and they all go away. You know, they go, well, I'm going to have to think about that. I, I've, it's interesting that he would just speak just a few things to them. But then the disciples have this conversation. And maybe the Lord said more than that. I don't know. This is just what's recorded for us in Scripture. The substance that we need to know is here. And then it says this. Then his disciples. So he's talked to the Pharisees. He's talked to the multitude. Now he's talking to the disciples. And his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by when they heard this saying? So notice what Jesus says to them. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Both of those are figurative speeches. Figures of speech. He's talking about people being plants and then people being physically blind and falling into ditches. I mean, it's... And the question is, did you not know that the Pharisees were offended? The answer is... Jesus Christ could say, yes, I knew they would be offended. That's why I said those things. They needed to be offended. That's what they needed to hear. And so I spoke to them in such a way that they would indeed be offended because they are hypocrites and they needed, they came in order to condemn the Son of God and it's the Son of God who condemns them. But they needed to hear that. But he could have answered that way, but instead he said, They've never been planted. And they're going to be uprooted. They haven't been planted by my Heavenly Father. It's interesting. When Jesus Christ saw these Pharisees standing Him, He says, these individuals have not been planted here and been planted, and they are going to be taken away. He could see what I could never see. If those group of Pharisees came and talked to me, then I would try to answer their question because I can't see their hearts. I don't know. But he knows. And he looks and he says, these are not the Father's plants. They don't have their roots in his truth. They don't have their roots in, in Jesus Christ. They don't have their roots in me, he could say. They don't, they're not planted. They're not my plants. And they will be uprooted. Furthermore, they're blind. Now the imagery changes. So again, it's a figure of seeds. They're, they're blind, and they're leaders of the blind, and the blind leads the blind. Both will fall into the ditch. 
And sometimes I think when the disciples hear all this, they're like going, I don't quite understand what you're talking about here. I don't quite get that. Because then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now again, Jesus Christ, when he's asked now to explain this parable and when he's challenged by Peter, does not say, hypocrites, you should know this by now. I mean, when I read this passage to you, you say, well, I know what that means. The blind, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. And the Pharisees are the blind. And the, blind, the Pharisees have not been planted. They are not the Lord's. And therefore, they, when they hear the Word of God and they're not the Lord's, they're not going to hear the Word of God. And I understand that. I, I know that. And I'm not more discerning than the disciples. But we look at that from the standpoint of the Holy Spirit within us guiding us in the truth. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but you know, we have a different look at this. And, and Jesus Christ is speaking to the disciples. He looks at them and He says to them, it's very interesting, Are you also still without understanding? You don't, don't you get this? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. That is the answer he should have given to the Pharisees. If I would have been speaking to the Pharisees, that's the answer I would have given to them. He didn't give it to them. He didn't even give that explanation to the multitude. He gave it to his disciples. And that's why I say when, when Jesus Christ speaks, he speaks with precision. It's one of the things that we cannot do because we don't have the insight and we're not God. And so we cannot see the hearts of individuals. But Jesus Christ speaks to the heart. And so he clearly indicates in this passage, look what comes out of the heart of man. Look what comes out of the of fallen nature. The great concern of man is not to make sure that he washes his hands in the right way so that he can be pure. Washing your hands will not result in your being pure. There's a heart problem. And the heart problem means that these things are just flowing out of the heart. And they come forth. So he says... When you want to look at where these sinful things, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies, do you think washing your hands is going to help you with those? It's not. In order for your life to be changed, your heart has to be changed. Christianity is always inward to the outward. The change of heart to a change of life. A change of heart to not defiling yourself with the old nature that is within so here Jesus Christ is, is speaking with, with great clarity. But it's interesting. You say, well, he could have spoken with that clarity to the Pharisees. And he could have said to them, you don't, don't you understand? It's not the washing of your hands, not what goes into you that defiles you, but rather it's your heart. And he could have had a heart conversation. But the Pharisees were not interested. 
They were not plants. They were blind. So Jesus Christ did not set the truth before them. He set the rebuke before them. But the multitude, he presents the truth to them. And the disciples, he explains the truth to them. So then I say to you, how are you to receive this passage of Scripture? And I say, well, when I read this passage of Scripture, I learn from all three, and so do you. You learn from what he said to the Pharisees. You say, well, I I hope that I am not a Pharisee. I hope that I'm not doing what the Pharisees were doing. But when he speaks to the Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites, and he talks about the fact that they're They honor with their mouth and with their lips, but their heart is far away, and their worship is empty. Empty. What are you bringing to God to worship Him when you wash your hands? And the answer is, nothing. How is this an act of worship? It's not an act of worship. How is this an act of honoring God? It's not an act of honoring God. How is this faithfully taking God's Word and living out God's Word? It is not doing that. So when you come before God and you're going to say, we are going to worship God by the things that we do, it's not worshiping Him. It's empty. It's empty. We worship God with a transformed heart. Not by the things that we take into our mouth, but from a transformed heart by the grace of God. And so I look at what he spoke to the, to the Pharisees, and I say, I hear that. I look what he said to the multitude, and I say, I hear that. And I look what he says to the disciples, and I say, I hear that. Why do we hear that? Well, because God is taking this whole text of Scripture and speaking to all of us. And we look at the figures of speech and we look at the things that Jesus Christ is saying and then the Holy Spirit teaches that truth to our hearts and so we become understanding of what God is saying and understanding of the truth of God. We should always say, thank you God for giving me the Holy Spirit and giving me your word and teaching that truth to my heart that my heart is changed. God is the God who changes our nature. He takes us when we're spiritually dead and makes us to be spiritually alive. And then He transforms our lives and He's gently leading and dealing with us. We have a Heavenly Father who dearly loves us and is guiding us in the truth. And I like the imagery of the temple being torn from top to bottom as if the Father Himself is coming out and coming to say, I'm here to help you to live for me. I'm here to be your guide. So this is, this is, this is great truth. And we look at this passage and we say, well, what am I to learn? Well, I learned a lot of things from this passage. And I learned to be careful about traditions, that traditions are not greater than the Word of God, that worship is from the heart, defilement is not caused by food, defilement is caused by what comes out of a sinful heart. I learned all those truths, and so do you. And that's how God has intended His Word. Is he intends to teach us. And we have the perspective, the, the perspective of all of them when we look, open up our Bibles and read it. And we're taught of God. And we should always be thankful that we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit who has revealed the truth in Scripture and we have the Holy Spirit who teaches that and guides us in the truth so that we know where defilement comes from. We know how these Pharisees were misguided in the things that they were saying. And we know what it is to worship God with a heart that is transformed and worship God according to the Word of God. All of that we see in Scripture. 
And so we read the whole passage and we say, this whole passage is for me. And I take it and I read it and I'm instructed and I'm rebuked and I'm challenged by the words of Scripture that guide me in the truth. So we should be thankful. And thankful that the, that the Lord is the God of truth. And He guides us in the truth. And it's so important to Him that He didn't leave it up to preachers to guide us in the truth. That He sent His Holy Spirit to indwell us and to teach us. Because knowing the truth of God and having a transformed heart and life is God's design for us. So be encouraged and be encouraged as you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're growing in the truth, we're growing in our knowledge of Him, and we're growing in in ways that we understand that our worship of God is from transformed hearts. Is your heart transformed? Your heart is transformed by the grace of God. Come to Christ. It's wonderful truth. And wonderful truth that Jesus Christ has given to us. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We're thankful that you guide us in the truth. We're thankful that you changed our hearts and you changed our minds and you changed uh, our nature so that we would know you, we would live for you, and that we would seek to receive from you and honor you with the truth we receive from you. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to not make up rules that we live by, but to live according to Scripture. Guide us in the truth. And we pray that you will show us what we are to do, show us how to live, but help us to always understand that our relationship with you is always and only through Christ. So Christ is our Savior. Christ is our King. And Christ is the one that we live by. And we trust in your Spirit and guiding us. And he is faithful to us. And thank you, Father, for your loyal love. So we pray that you'll be guiding us day by day in our lives. Strengthen us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the evening sermon at Hillcrest Bible Church. In addition to our website, hillcrestbible.org, you can follow us on Facebook under Hillcrest Bible Church or through Twitter under Hillcrest Bible. You can also subscribe to the sermon podcast on our sermons page or directly in iTunes.